Good morning, everybody. I've got my stack of supplies with me as I get ready here. I just, Bob, you just cracked me up. <laughs> June is 6. Okay. All right. Yes, please check your newsletter. And uh, so a lot of fun things. One thing, uh, the tent actually comes up on Monday the 15th, so it won't be up this next weekend, but it will be up the following one. <laughs> so... So, bless his heart, right? <laughs> so, no, no. I'm a, it is, it's hard when you get used to doing it all the time. You just, you know, you can be on autopilot because I have a certain order I go in. And it's hard just to come in out of, out of nowhere and, and do that. I, it really is. It, it is. So, so, good morning, everybody. It's so great to have you here. And like Bob said, I'm teaching on one verse today. Um, and somehow, even with one verse, I have six pages of notes, right? So um, it's James 5.12, and it's a warning about swearing or taking oaths. And so I'm going to start by just reading the, the scripture, because I like that, just to make sure that you've got that scripture in your mind, that you've heard it. We're going to read it in two different versions, because there's a little tweak on the words that are used in each of them, and we're just going to start there. So we'll put up the first one, which is James 5.12 in the NLT, which is what I usually teach from, because I feel it's very readable and understandable, even though I use many different versions when I study. Um, and that reads, but most of all, my brothers and sisters never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Now remember, this is James, the brother of Jesus, right, half-brother of Jesus, uh, talking uh, to people, James, who was not a believer in the very beginning. And he's written a very succinct uh, book giving... Um, guidelines about how our faith should overflow into works and how we deal with people around us, how we treat the people around us. Um, the second version is in the NIV, and it reads, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, Otherwise, you will be condemned. And the reason I did these two versions is because one uses the word swear and the other uses the word oath because I want to make it clear what we're talking about. Because if you hear the word swear, if somebody says to you, don't swear, what's the first person that comes to your mind? Right, exactly, right? And that's not 100% out of what we're talking about because when we think about profanity, I want you to keep in your mind the phrase uh, common language, thinking of something as common. And we're going to talk about that. And just to give you context in that way, I want you to think about some of you might have had, you know, all of you had parents, right? Uh, but some of you might have had one parent, like in my household, it was my mom, who if she swore you knew it was about to happen, like something was coming down, right? It was not common. Whereas on the other hand, with my dad, you know, some people use that as punctuation and in how they express themselves, right? So it's the idea of something that's common and not shocking to something that is holding weight and, and you notice it because it's not common. So think about that in your mind. 
In both of those verses, they start out with, but most of all and above all. So that lets us know it's important. What James is about to share with them is something that they need to take note of, and it's important. So, um, and, and just as we go through this, keep in mind also, James is a super short book. So he is not giving us every single limitation or exception where it comes to swearing or taking oaths. He is sharing with us rules and principles. And then we have the Bible, the word of God, to help us navigate those subtleties as we go through our life, right? So it's not like he's saying to you, because it would be an encyclopedia. Every single book would be a whole encyclopedia if every single instance because we're always looking for loopholes, right? So that's why we, we use the word to help us navigate that so that we can understand the reasoning, the character behind what's being said and the consequences sometimes about what's being said. So to take an oath in God's name was not prohibited, right? You know, to say, I swear to God, you know, or it was not prohibited. So there's a few scriptures that I've pulled out that we'll put on screen just to set the stage that, um, to give you an idea of what circumstances in which that would be okay, that would be ex expected and that would be appropriate. So the first one's in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 10 verse 20. And this is again out of the NLT. You must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. Your oaths must be made in his name alone. So in Deuteronomy, if you remember, this is after the Exodus, and this is the second generation of Israelites that are coming up. So many of them weren't there when, or they were little, when some of the amazing things that the Lord did happened. So just like their parents, there was some fear that they would be struggling with some of the things that the parents struggled with. And this particular scripture is right after Moses brings down the second set of tablets. Can anybody just yell out, what's something that the Israelites struggled with? Exactly. Perfect. They were surrounded by pagan nations and they struggled with idolatry. So of course you would not want them to be swearing anything, making an oath or anything to a pagan god, a natural, like, you know, in hev by heaven or earth, any of those things. It was to be in God's name alone so that they would not be confused in thinking that anything else other than the Lord our God holds power, right? The second example I have is out of Psalms. And so I've got Psalm 6311, but the king will rejoice in God. All who swear to tell the truth will praise him while liars will be silenced. So what visual does that give us when we read that? All will swear to tell the truth, right? A courtroom, exactly. So that's where um, there, this is a special situation. There's solemnity, it's important. I have practiced the word solemnity, I can't even tell you how many times. So, so I might throw it in a couple extra times just because, right? Um, but that made it appropriate. It was an appropriate situation because it's a courtroom setting. It is not something that was said lightly or not supposed to be said lightly. And then the third example I have is out of 2 Corinthians 1.23. This is Paul speaking. 
in his writing, in his letter. Now I call upon God as my witness that I am telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. Now the reason this would be appropriate for Paul to say this is because this would not have been common language for Paul. For him to say this would have immediately caught their attention about how earnestly and how, um, I want to say truthfully, I want to say that he's always trying to be truthful with them, right? But he's putting an exclamation point on it. And because Paul didn't flippantly say things like that, it would have held extra weight with them, with the church in Corinth. So thinking about those examples of oaths, it needed to have true gravity, making oaths in court or oaths by God's name for a reason, right? Not just off the cuff. Um, They had gravity because they weren't common situations. They weren't things that happened in the everyday life. And um, as we get into this, you'll see exactly what I mean. So if those are examples of oaths or promises or vows that would have been appropriate, let's look at some that don't fit those parameters. So on the screen, our next one is out of judges. So uh, any of the women who have been part of the women's studies, we've studied judges a couple times, and this is one that is always a topic of conversation for us, extended conversation. Um, It's the story of Jephthah, and he is leading uh, battles against the Ammonites. And before I read the verse, I just wanna set the stage that he was already, before he makes this vow, having great victories and success, right? He's already having that. And then he makes this vow. And notice the conditional nature of this vow. And he's talking to the Lord, right? So Jephthah made this vow to the Lord. If indeed you will deliver the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out of the door of my house to greet me on my triumphant return from the Ammonites will belong to the Lord, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Now, who knows what the first thing to walk out of his door was? His daughter, exactly. Talk about a rash vow. And talk about a manipulative vow as if we could have anything to offer to the Lord that he can't do for himself. Do you know what it reminds me of? When my daughter was little, she would hate that I was telling you this. She would tell me, if you will fill in the blank, I will give you candy and gum. And I would tell her, I can buy my own candy and gum, right? Um, And for her to think, you know, she was trying to work the room at the time. And Jephthah, think about that. Think about the, how just amazingly, outrageously unthought through that was. Now, some scholars believe perhaps he thought a slave might walk through that gate first, or maybe an animal through his, his gate from his ranch, but that's not what happened. And to be clear, the God, the, um, God did not ask for him to make that oath or require that. It wasn't like that was required for success. It was already in God's will that he would have that success, that they would defeat the Ammonites. 
and Jephthah just wanted to throw an exclamation point on it for whatever reason. And he made this, this just foolish vow. And then also didn't feel like he could ask the Lord to allow him out of it. Making a vow to the Lord, especially then, was a big deal if you were somebody in his position. It should have been a big deal for anyone. And he did not feel like he could go to God and say, can you release me from this? And he ultimately does offer his daughter as a burnt offering. That's a biggie, guys. That's a big, big, big example of just throwing something out there without thinking it through. Another example, and I'm just going to read this one to you, are false vows. Ones where there's no, there's no even really, you're not kidding anybody and thinking that you're being honest in this. So the scripture is Jeremiah 5.2. But even when they are under oath, saying, as surely as the Lord lives, they are still telling lies. And here they're speaking of the treachery of the people of Israel and Judah. It's the Lord speaking of their treachery. That, um, that people, religious leaders, anybody, would throw that out there as if somehow that made what they were doing okay and made it the truth, right? Made it honorable. You know, you just slap that on there and people will believe anything that I say to you, right? And it's sad to think of the Lord who is the champion of those who are, who are weak or need help, champion of orphans, of widows, that they would use the Lord's name to manipulate people in such a way. Vain oaths, this is another one, and this is another one we're gonna put on the screen. So again, women study. If you've studied First and Second Kings, there's a lot of crazy stuff in there, I'm just gonna say, right? And so we're gonna talk about a vow that Jezebel made um, in 1 Kings 19, verse two. And again, this one was conditional in nature, but she essentially was putting a curse on herself if she couldn't follow through with her vow. So here's how the scripture reads. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now to set the stage for you just a little bit on this, she's mad at Elijah because Elijah was involved in a little something that, in, that resulted in the death of a bunch of her prophets of Baal, right? So she's super mad and she makes this vain threat as if she has the ability to follow through with that. Does anybody know what ultimately happened to Elijah? How did he get to heaven? He, yes, he got to bypass dying altogether and got to go straight to heaven, right? And it wasn't just even at this point here. There is more stuff that happened. He didn't die that next day. And ultimately, what the Lord did with Elijah is allowed him to go straight to heaven. Does anybody know what happened to Jezebel? Ugh, yikes, right? Um, I really tried to find some uh, good images for this, but I was like, I'm not sending people home with nightmares um, after this because Jezebel, in the end, she is pushed out a window, and when they go to take her body to bury her, since she was a queen, 
right? All they find, her skull, her hands, and her feet. I'm just saying, right? I think that, that the Lord showed her how much power she had to vow anything, to follow through with any of that. That was definitely not in God's will. And he put the exclamation point on that one. Vows without just cause. You're mad about something and you make a vow because you want to get revenge, something like that. But I want to focus a little bit more on vows that are customary and ordinary in discourse. So they have a lack of sincerity. So think of when we say, I love pizza or, you know, that's not real love, right? So thinking about that in the idea of a vow, I promise I will. How often do we say those things when we aren't really sure that we do promise or that we will do something? Maybe we feel put on the spot. Maybe we feel like we should do that. And so we throw it out there and really that's something that we do so quickly and it does damage that we don't even know sometimes. Now think of the verse that we've just talked about in James 5.12. And the second part of that when it says your yes should be yes and your no should be no. When we say yes or no to something, it shouldn't need propping up with a vow, right? Every time I say yes to Kayla about something, I swear on the, you know, whatever. it doesn't need to be that way. I can just say, yes, I will do that, you know, or yes, that I'm going to try my best to make that happen for you. We should be able to say yes or no without making a show of it. But the Jewish culture at this time, when James is writing this, when we're looking at the context of this, they were using swearing as part of their normal conversation. Everything was, I'm swearing by heaven and earth. And think about how that habit could have been confusing for new believers, right? A new believer who is understanding that, that God is the only one who has any power to accomplish anything, that we in ourselves cannot do that, and there are no pagan gods have no power at all, right? Nobody has any power unless it's power that God has given them. And the Jewish culture was just, it was something that was their normal every day. So it didn't really hold any real weight. So for new believers, this could have been confusing. But I also think about how it just shows impatience. So instead of taking the time to build character and reputation as a trustworthy person, they would just slap an oath on there to keep things moving, you know? And think about as um, a parent, have you ever said to your kids, if they're just bugging the crap out of you, I promise we'll go to Disney World tomorrow. Have you ever made something like crazy like that? And if you have little kids, they will never forget when you say stuff like that. So tread lightly, right? Spouses or kids to parents. Let's do that in the reverse. I promise I'll clean my room. You know, I haven't cleaned it for the last 365 days, but I promise today I will clean it and it'll be done in 30 minutes, right? You know, um, we just throw those things out there. And so the, that language, that idea of somebody having integrity becomes less and less because there's a huge difference between making a promise or an oath and actually keeping it, right? Oaths at that time had become a veil for falseness. And often, they are in today's day as well. 
So is every oath a purposefully to cover a lie? No, absolutely not. You know, sometimes, you know, we are just in the moment we're frustrated or whatever and something just comes out like that. But really, we, if we don't know what tomorrow will bring, how can we truly make an oath on anything? And it's just, I think, James's way of saying to put a little more thought behind the weight of our words. If we want people to trust us and if we want people to find us as honorable and godly and, and having integrity, those things should not be taken lightly. Those words, those promises, those, those actions should not be taken lightly. We should just be known for somebody who does what we say we will do if it's within our ability to do. And if, if you've got that reputation, then if something unexpected happens, it's not looked at as you lied or you were flippant or you're, People have grace for that. It's a little bit different when we think about it because it is so common. It's such a common way to speak. Bob taught in James 4, 13 through 17 that we can plan. We're supposed to plan, but we can only plan to the extent of what God permits. And one of the things I, I loved in our study, um, there's a writer, Trisha Hawk. She's one of the writers in the study that we're doing right now in Corinthians. And she had a a quote I really liked, and it was just, God thwarts our wisdom when it opposes him. And I thought to myself, our oaths as well, right? We could make Jezebel, right? She made uh, what she thought was wise to say, and God thwarted that in a huge way, right? And so if it's not something that aligns with God's will, he will thwart those things when it opposes him, and so we have to think about when we are about to promise something, when we're about to vow something, if we're about to commit to something, are we being honoring to God in our heart about our truthfulness on trying, trying to fulfill that? Or our ability, both of those things. So Matthew includes in his gospel this teaching from Sermon on the Mount. This comes straight from Sermon on the Mount. And so I've put um, this scripture up here. Just so you can see, again, obviously James got this somewhere. Like we said, we're trying to guess, was he there during Sermon on the Mount? Yeah, I feel like he had to have been. And this was really important. So James included it just like Matthew has it in there as well. And we're in Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all. This is Jesus speaking. Either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is evil. If we know what the right thing to do is, we should just do it, not make a big show of it, put a big vow behind it. We have to understand that the only way that we're able to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish is through God's grace and is through God's will. 
and we might have um, those short little snippets of something where we might think we're pulling something ever on God, but I assure you, we are not. He knows what's happening. So when we think about this, what is the sin in a, in a false vow or a false oath? And what is the judgment? And what does that have to do with us today? So the sin in some of these that we gave examples for were for lying, right? We're doing something knowing full well we have no, um, we're not gonna follow through with this, right? We're just saying it to get somebody to leave us alone. Or rash because we're angry about something and we throw that out there. So the sin is the habit of lying and deceiving, thinking that's okay, or um, throwing something out there where we're gonna have to bear a consequence like Jephthah when he made his rash vow and lost his daughter in the end. Now he followed through in his vow, right? But I would say there was 100% a consequence to that. Vanity and pride, that was our Jezebel um, example. And for dishonoring God's name, so in Exodus 27, and I'm just going to read this to you. I don't think I have this one. This, I'm just going to read. It says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord. So it doesn't say you can't use it. You must not misuse the name of the Lord, your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. So of course we want to use it. We want people to know about the Lord. We want to tell them about his love and his good purpose and his will and the miracles that he does in our lives when we cooperate and partner with him. But we don't want to misuse his name to try to manipulate people or the Lord himself into following with what we want, right? What our agenda is. And maybe the judgment for that is sometimes we just suffer the natural consequences of making such an oath. So we lose trust and credibility with our family, our friends. We suffer guilt. Have you ever made, let's just stop for one second. And everybody take a moment to think about a time where you promised something and maybe 100% you intended when you said the words to fulfill that promise, but you didn't really think it through. It was something beyond really your human ability to do. And then once that promise, that oath crumbled, what did you feel? Was it guilt? Did that guilt lead you to separate yourself from other people, the person you made the promise to, instead of going to them and trying to make it right, were you like, I need to now avoid that person for the rest of my life because I said I would do this. And then your guilt starts to make you think that person hates me because I wasn't able to follow through on this incredible thing that I never should have said to begin with, right? We can feel it in our hearts. We could say, I wish I could do this for you, you know? But, but let's see where the Lord takes us. Let's see what I can do. Let's see what the Lord can help us through. It's, it's thinking those things through so that we are not just racked with a cascading set of consequences for things that we just blurt out, that our words hold weight, they're important. New believers, if they see us saying, you know, God told me and the Holy Spirit said and then you don't fall through and you just walk away from it? What does that new believer think, right? What do they think? 
And that's why it's so important that our witness as Christians is that our yes is yes and our no is no. And it doesn't mean that you can't say no. So think about this. The next time you're tempted to swear, make a promise that you can't keep or worse yet, you have no intention of keeping. Um, and when I say that, I'm, I'm telling you, saying no is better than saying yes and then walking away from your obligation. You would be surprised at how well someone can accept a no and see you as a person of integrity and honesty rather than saying yes and then you are trying to avoid that person for the rest of your life because you don't want to have to ever follow through with the yes that you said. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. It's okay. So the next time you're tempted to put conditions on the right thing to do. So if you, then I'll, or you rashly just lash out in frustration about something and you're dishonoring God's name in that way, I would say just think twice. We all need to just think twice before we, we spew those words out because we have an alternative. We should consider having patience and showing character and building history and trust with those around us. And then our simple yes is honorable and it's credible and it's godly. And instead of suffering the consequences of an unnecessary oath, we reap the benefits of God's justified favor. And the best part of this whole message is that if you mess up, God's got you, right? God does not expect that you will be perfect in your yes is yes and no is no, all right? So I left that for the end because this is what I want you to remember about this. I could say to you, I promise, I vow, my yes is yes, my no is no, right? And then later on this afternoon, something happens and I fall. I fall, I fail. But that does not take away my salvation, right? So when we go through the Bible and we learn these things, these things that James talks about that's supposed to help us in our relationship with others so that we can have a good relationship with others. We can have a godly relationship with others. We can be able to support each other and trust each other. None of that overrides the fact that our salvation is through Jesus alone and that he is the only one who can make anything right. That he is the one that will forgive us every time we mess this up. He is the one that will help us every time we mess this up. When you get convicted about something, I'm not talking about guilt, I'm talking about conviction, where you can then go to whoever it is that you made this promise that you did not fulfill, and you can talk to them and say, you know what? I shouldn't have said that, or I wanted to do this and I couldn't do this. I wasn't able to follow through and you can make it right. Our words hold so much weight and I think that so much of what James is about in this whole book is not taking lightly our part of what God allows us to do. He's doing all the heavy lifting, right? He's the one that's giving us salvation. We need to cooperate with that and, and not make things harder than they should be. We're not meant to live in guilt and condemnation. 
we're meant to constantly be trying to lift each other up and to show ourselves as believers in Christ, show ourselves as um, wanting that. Like we want it, right? We want it, but we're not going to be perfect on that. So when you fall by the wayside, when you fail on something like that, you don't give up, right? You just get back in there and you try to make your words be transparent to those that you're talking about, that they know that you don't have an agenda that is, is behind these vows, these promises. And I think that that's, that's the hardest thing for us to believe because we see in the world around us that there's so much that people say that we can't, we can't hold on to, we can't trust, and we don't want it to be that way. And I hope, I hope this isn't too heavy a message. I know as I was reading through it, I was like, gosh, it seems like a lot of heaviness in there. And so I, I just wanted to end with that just remembering that the Lord is with you every step of the way and you're not expected to be perfect in this, right? And how much easier is it to just be truthful? Let your yes be yes and your no be no than to have a story you have to make up every time that you're with somebody, to either prop up what you've said or promised or to explain why you didn't follow through with something, right? Just that, that honesty um, in front of the Lord and letting that be your honesty to your brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, so we're gonna go into communion now and uh, we're just gonna close in prayer. And we're going to, um, when we do communion, we're going to have uh, wine and bread and crackers up here. You can take that. You can dip it in the, in the wine. And when we take this, just, just tell yourself that, um, Lord, show me. Show me where I might struggle in this. Show me where I might struggle with this. And Lord, give me a little smack on the wrist if I'm about to misstep into something. Just tell, you know, ask him for that. He will do it. He will do it, and he will help you every step of the way. You're not meant to do all of that by yourself. Towards the back, we've got communion that's got juice, if you would rather have juice. Let's just close in prayer, and then we'll have the worship team come up, and we'll start into communion. So, Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful day, these beautiful people, and their hearts to be able to hear your word. And, Lord, any time that we are tempted tempted to prop up something um, in your name, anytime we're tempted to promise something we cannot follow through with, Lord, just remind us that that is not our responsibility. Let our yes be yes, our no be no. Let us be trustworthy and true. Let us be godly and honest. Let us be comfortable with those things we have to say no to. And let us be um, have integrity for those things that we say yes to. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.